If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. In the squadron, they called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, hello, hello, hello. Hey, uh, it's, what date is it? October 24th. Next weekend, it's still, next Monday, it's still October. Halloween. I usually go all out on Halloween, and this year will be no different. I love it. I love it. The candy, the costumes, all that nonsense. Um, it's, it's a fantastic thing we do. Uh, I gotta do something before, uh, the midterms. I'm kind of like, okay, people have already started to vote and, uh, that's fine. Uh, I guess they say the Democrats have a big advantage when it comes to the early voting. Oh, by the way, some of that voting is still illegal. Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I think a uh, Supreme Court judge in New York State just ruled that some of the absentee uh, uh, voting procedures are against the Constitution. We have a state constitution. There are all kinds of guidelines and how you can vote, where you can vote. i got to take a look at that because it's just like maybe it's Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, two ways to vote, in person or absentee with excuse. And the excuse has to be, you know, something like a serious one. You can't just vaguely, some election official can't just say, oh, uh, 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 10 million people are afraid of getting COVID. Therefore, uh, they can vote uh, absentee. Doesn't work that way. It's on a case by case basis. Specifically, you got to make, okay, this is, this is how I feel or this is where I am. I'm in London or this is where I am. I'm in, uh, oh, where the hell am I? I'm in, um, uh, the military. I used to vote absentee in the military. No big deal. Um, so I, I'm, I'm pretty excited because right now it really does look like Zeldin can do it. Lee Zeldin. Oh man, this guy is uh, going to shock the world. And you can already tell that Kathy Hochul is uh, scared. Why? How? Well, the number one issue for about two years now has been crime. And she has ignored the issue, hid from the issue, literally. Uh, she just doesn't want to talk about it. She doesn't want to ex- exercise the power that she has as governor to do something about crime. What can she do? Well, she can fire uh, crazy, liberal, woke DAs who don't want to prosecute, who want to say, no, we're not going to uh, enforce that law. That's Alvin Bragg. She has the authority to do it. She won't. Why won't she? Because she's afraid of antagonizing the woke left. She's also intimidated, I believe, of, well, a person of color, right? You know, after all, if she if she does that, if she were to fire Alvin Bragg, who deserves to be fired, how long do you think it would take uh, Democrats to call her a Karen, right? They'd call her a Karen. And that is a very clever weapon they've come up with. You know, if you disagree with our agenda, we will... Uh, label you a Karen. All right. So uh, heads up, white women. Yeah, you don't. Nobody wants to be a Karen. Doesn't sound very nice, except the Karen is such a nice name. It's really a shame what they did. So she's she's afraid of all that. And that was a very sinister plot to uh, try to control the way white women vote and what they do. Uh, let's see. What's the other thing? Uh, she could suspend the bail laws. She could. There's all kinds of stuff that she can do, but she can't. 
I mean, she can't give in that she works for people like Al Sharpton. She works for people um, like George Soros. She is owned by the left. And uh, so what does she do at the last minute, uh, uh, basically on the eve of election, she comes out and says that this crime stuff has always been important to her. She had an event, a crime summit, and it was the weirdest thing. It was at an empty subway station. Um, Just, I mean, totally desolate, as in they didn't let anybody come down because probably they were afraid of being heckled, which would have been beautiful. Cut 40, please. Since my first days in office... I've said we need our subway system to truly work. It has to be on time, but most importantly, it has to be safe. Imagine that, huh? Can you look it up and show me where she actually said that? Those incredibly unique words. has to be on time and has to be safe. You're no kidding. But she's done nothing. And what she came up with here is the silliest little uh, scheme. Let me see here. Cut 43. We have a crime-fighting strategy. We've leaned into proven law enforcement strategies. Investing in new technologies will make a difference. And we're providing New Yorkers the support and the help they need. Here's what we're calling it. Cops, cameras, care. It's easy to remember the three C's. Wow, huh? Cops, cameras, and care. That's what we've been waiting on. That's what we've been waiting for. And what... What does it actually mean? She doesn't know. It's just this very vague. We're going to uh, allow some MTA cops to backfill NYPD cops. Oh, my gosh. That sounds so underwhelming, right? Of course it is. Uh, Let's see. Beefing it up. You're going to beef it up. Uh, Cut 44. What we're announcing here today is a beefing up of the police presence on the subway platforms and cars. Proud to announce that MTA police, where I have oversight, they report to the MTA, which reports to me, will be working with the NYPD to strategically deploy more officers and allow them to increase their presence on the platforms and trains as well. It's a tactical approach. Where is the need the greatest? How do we bring in reinforcements? We are the reinforcements, and that's what we're announcing here today. All right. So, um, hmm. Now, nobody knows this. She might not even know it herself, uh, and nobody asked. How many MTA police are there? MTA New York. I have a feeling it's under a 1,000. MTA New York Police Force. Let's see if we can find out. Together, uh, it has how many cops? It has 800. 800. 800. So at any given time, how many of them are actually on duty? About a third. All right. So less than 300 are actually working at any given time. We're talking about (laughs) a half a dozen cops. They're going to redeploy. That's it. On the eve of Election Day. And they're doing a great job. uh, You know, just uh, just ask them. Just ask them. This is uh, we got this covered. No, they don't. Oh, Eric was there by her side. Cut 45. I made it clear as a campaigner and as the beginning days of being mayor, we were going to zero in on gun violence. We were going to zero in on predatory crimes. We were going to make our subway system safe. Those were the key points that we raised. So do the analysis. Okay. You failed. (laughs) You failed across the board. That's my analysis. That was your priority. You have totally and completely failed. 
More people have been killed down there this year than I think in any year. Now, he's saying he's he's making up all kinds of statistics, by the way. He goes on to say, we are down with gun crime. We are down with this. We are down with that. No, you're not. Number one, I don't trust this guy with the statistics. And number two, you got to remember, when it comes to the subway, fewer people are riding it, I think, than ever before. And Kathy will say it's because of COVID. No, it's because of crime. So you've chased people out of there, yet still, still, crime is out of control. But don't worry, Eric. Eric is on it, and he's not going to, I don't think he's going to take a break at all. Cut 47. And I won't rest, and the governor won't rest, and our team won't rest until this system is a place, safe place for all who utilize the system. We must address the perception and the reality of public safety. <laughs> and that perception is what people are feeling. All right. He will not rest. It reminds me of that line in The Naked Gun. Anybody remember The Naked Gun with Leslie Stevenson and George Kennedy and O.J. Simpson, who plays a cop? And O.J. gets shot by a bad guy, and he's in the hospital, and uh, George Kennedy and Leslie Stevenson visit him, and O.J.'s wife is crying, and, oh, boy, you know, my husband, he got shot. And uh, Leslie Stevenson and George Kennedy assure her, ma'am, nobody on this police force will rest until we find the scum who did this to your husband. Let, let, sir, let's go, let's go take a then he says, let's go take a break. Let's go get lunch. Give me a moment. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I have annoyed uh, the mainstream media once again with my devastating critique of their favorite fake news book, uh, Confidence Man, The Making of Donald Trump. Uh, let's see. Maggie Haberman wrote this book, and uh, it's just it's a, one more in a long line of books designed to take down Trump, it doesn't work. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't check out. There are so many factual errors in it. It's a mess. It's it's boring. All this crap I've read in magazines ten years ago. Uh, it's already been in other books, and the stuff that uh, I mean, just little things and big things, um, which drive me crazy. I like you know I don't you know know this about me, but I love serious biographies. I mean, big. Rich biographies, um, Robert Caro, Stephen Ambrose to some lesser extent. Uh, who else is good? Meacham Stinks, uh, Will and Ariel Durant, may they rest in peace. Just people who have really checked out everything. And they don't just check it out. They, they live it. They breathe it before they start writing stuff down. So Robert Caro wrote those books on Lyndon Johnson. And by the way, how many books can you write about Lyndon Johnson? I mean, this guy's dedicated his life. He wrote The Power Broker, of course. Rudy Giuliani recommended that to me. I read it a long time ago. I should read it again. He said, anybody who wants to be mayor should read that book. I wonder if Eric has read that book. I'll reread it by Robert Carroll. Made him famous, and he did all these Lyndon Johnson books. And he came out with an autobiography a couple of years ago saying, uh, what did he say? Oh, the word was that LBJ would run to the office he was that committed to work he was that excited to be at work this is back when he was a congressional aide and he was kind of legendary for running to the office at like 6 30 in the morning and everybody said well he was just that determined he was he had so much energy he was determined to be at work so robert caro uh goes down to 
he doesn't necessarily buy that. All right. He's had a lot of energy determined, but does that explain everything? Determination. So what does he do? He goes and he finds the place where LBJ, Lyndon Johnson, was actually living when he was, you know, 24 years old as a congressional aide. He was living in this basement apartment on Capitol Hill and he retraces his steps. He goes from uh, that place to where I guess the office is in one of those, like the Hart office building or the Cannon office building, one of those office buildings. He knew which one and he followed the route and he saw something interesting. He realized that like at 632, the sun would come up and it was the most amazing sunrise you've ever seen with the Capitol and the sun and what he was doing, given what time he was arriving at the eye, he was running so he would see the sunrise. He wanted to not miss the sunrise. Isn't that interesting? And everybody, everybody had missed that. He, he, but he figured out it was the sunrise that he wanted to see. It was such an amazing moment. And there it is. And, but you don't know that if you don't go there and retrace the steps. You know, it's, if I'm going to spend 35, 40 bucks on a, on a big book, I want rich detail. I don't want somebody who's just Googling stuff and looking at things that others have already reported. So last week I established on television that she, uh, let's see, in this uh, in this confidence man book, which is a terrible title, con man. She's calling Trump a con man. He's not a con man. It's just ludicrous from the start, the cover. But I read these books because I like to find the mistakes. It's kind of fun for me somehow. And she has this big, long thing. Uh, somebody once told me that being friends with Donald Trump is like being friends with a hurricane. Someone told me in confidence. Well, I read the same damn quote in 2016. The same exact quote. And it wasn't anonymous. It was from a guy named uh, Richard Lefrak. Richard Lefrak, you know, Lefrak City. And it was uh, it was not some secret. He told the New York Times. So 2016, I'm reading about... Being friends with Donald Trump is like being friends with a hurricane. And I got to tell you, that line stuck with me. And I'm like, wow, okay, that, that's, a, that's an interesting observation. I wonder what the – and Richard Lefrak is said to be one of his close friends. It's like being friends with a hurricane. Huh, interesting, just stayed with me. And then she comes with this uh, – <laughs> someone told me once that being friends with him was like being friends with a hurricane. Now, that's just – let's see here. She says uh, – being close to Trump was like being friends with a hurricane. One longtime friend told me it was very exciting, but you didn't know which way the wind was blowing. So that's one little thing that got my notice, got my attention. Then there's something else. And am I nitpicking? Yes. But, you know, you nitpick enough and then it's like, whoa, this this book has is fundamentally flawed. So, you know, I went to Fordham University in the Bronx. I lived there for uh half of my time and I commuted. I commuted from Garden City and every once in a while I take the train, but basically I drove. I had a little Dodge Omni used. Then I had some other car broke down once on the Northern State Parkway. It was a mess. But I got myself to college. And I would take one of two bridges. I would take the Throgs Neck Bridge or I would take the Whitestone Bridge. That's the way you get to the Bronx if you're coming from Long Island. It's also the way you get to the Bronx if you're coming from uh, Midland Parkway and Jamaica Estates, which is where he lived. He lived in Jamaica Estates. And I'm reading this book, and it says this. Trump left only scattered impressions on classmates. 
One recalled Trump somehow managed to avoid paying the Triborough Bridge's 25-cent toll and leaving it to a friend with considerably less economic means to pay each time. Um, that, see what it, I don't, I don't buy the whole thing because Triborough Bridge is wrong. It wasn't the Triborough Bridge. It was actually the Whitestone Bridge. I called around. I talked to some people who know Trump from that era, and they verify it's the Whitestone Bridge, which also geographically makes total sense. It's you save yourself about 10 miles if you don't go all the way into the Triborough Bridge. Isn't that interesting? Now, why did she make this mistake? Because it was just sitting there in some silly article from 2016. That's what these people do. They Google. They Google and they look at other people's work and they accept it as gospel. Um, there's something else here. She says that Marie Brenner, a reporter who's very good, by the way, I like her, invented the phrase favor bank. You know, the idea of um, in New York City, you do a favor for somebody, they owe you one. Not exactly cutting edge stuff, but the one who really went into detail about that was not Marie Brenner. It was Tom Wolfe in 1987 in the book Bonfire of the Vanities. Tom Wolfe was a friend of mine, by the way. I knew Tom Wolfe. I like Tom Wolfe. And Maggie Haberman is no Tom Wolfe. Um, because, you know, he would go up there to the Bronx courthouse. He actually would dress down. You know, he wore a white suit everywhere he went, except when he was in journalism mode. When he wanted to kind of blend in, he could blend in. He would just wear a beautiful custom-made suit, but it wasn't white. And he'd go around taking notes and asking questions and just being discreet. He could do that. Uh, but he's the one who came up with Favor Bank, not Marie Brenner. And there's another portion in here about how uncomfortable Trump is with black people. I mean, just nasty, nasty stuff. And he didn't like them around the office and that kind of thing. So I found some footage from his driver-slash-security guard, who he hired in 1975. It was a laid-off New York City cop. And this is way before wokeism and all that nonsense. Oh, he happened to be black. He happened to have gone to Donald Trump's wedding. And um, how about that, huh? He didn't like black people except the one who was with him 24-7. It's a lie. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So remember when um, John McEnroe, remember how he always would act up and throw his racket and yell at the judge uh, the referee, whatever they have in tennis. And I, I actually liked it. I thought it was pretty cool, very amusing. I didn't have a problem with John McEnroe. Uh, made tennis even more interesting. But the Brits really hated him, and uh, they got under his skin, and they started calling him Super Brat, not just Brat, but Super Brat. And um, I have a new Super Brat. That was too mean. I mean, he was no I guess he did kind of... Um, I've actually met him once. Very nice guy. Very normal. Um, but here's Liz Cheney. She is the new super brat. Now, remember about Liz Cheney. First of all, she's the outgoing congresswoman from Wyoming. She lost in a primary 40 points or so. 40 points. That's really hard to do. I mean, you've got to be just grossly incompetent. You have to be, I guess you have to be anti-democratic. Why would your party throw you out like that? That would mean you're not representing them well, their wishes, their, you know, I do think that these members of Congress, they have to listen to their constituents. They have to represent them. And she had no interest in doing that. 
She wanted to go her own way and do her own thing, and uh, she is spoiled. Now, remember, she grew up the daughter of Liz Cheney. I'm sorry, the daughter of uh, Dick Cheney. What was, what was the name of the wife? Uh, Mrs. Cheney. Uh, but they were very rich people. Uh, tens, uh, probably hundreds of millions of dollars in that family. Liz Cheney herself, Liz Cheney, 51-year-old Liz Cheney, is worth something like $25 million. How do they do it? That's the swamp for you, right? So Liz Cheney is always telling us about, ooh, it's a threat to democracy. Ooh, Donald Trump is a threat. She's the true threat to democracy. The way she was talking kind of creeped me out. She was on Meet the Press yesterday uh, for a half hour. One half hour, they got this losing, uh, outgoing, uh, two-term, four-term, however long she was there. Not that long. Child of the swamp. She should be over and done with. But does this sound democratic to you? Cut 48, please. His election as president in 2016 uh, began something that has been very dangerous for this nation. And we now see he's willing to do everything he needs to do, uh, everything within his power to stop a peaceful transition of power. And he can never be president again. He can never be president again. He can never be president again, she says. Well, what happens if he gets more votes than the other side? What happens if he gets more votes? Now, she's saying declaratively, he can never be president again. Uh, every weekend, we see that he has millions and millions and millions of supporters. Take a look at any poll. He is far and away the favorite Republican in the country right now. He's like 70 points ahead of Ron DeSantis for the nomination, okay? He's, and that's anti-democratic because the people may choose him, but she's saying that must not happen. She also said rather ominously that tens of millions of people are ready to do whatever it takes to prevent him from becoming president. Now, what does that mean? Whatever it takes. Well, they have two options, quite frankly, in opposing Donald Trump. They can vote against him and they can give money to his opponent. That's kind of all you can do. You can tweet your little hearts out. You can you can post on social media. You can campaign. You can do this, that and the other thing. But whatever it takes, well, what does that mean? Those are kind of, that's kind of frightening. If we're, if I keep hearing that words matter and our side, we got to be careful if we say the word fight, right? Because that might be a call to violence. Of course it isn't, but that's the kind of game they've been playing with us, hasn't it? I think she's a super brat if she doesn't get her way. Part of it, the whole demeanor is like, yeah, she's going to lose it. It's, it's kind of, oh, by the way, did you see President Xi? had the former president thrown out of a big meeting in China. That was pretty wild. President who? He was the former president. Now he's like a Politburo guy over there in, in, in uh, China. And they throw him out of the joint. They just throw him out. That President Xi is president for life, it looks like. He is sticking around. And But don't fear. Joe Biden knows him well. Joe Biden knows him, knows Putin uh, knows these guys. I heard him say over the weekend that uh, that's his big, that's what he's got going for him. Everybody knows him. Well, that works two ways. That cuts both ways. They know Joe Biden, and they're not impressed with Joe Biden. That's a problem, right? Especially lately. Especially lately, when they can just take the measure of the man and see that he's not there. And oh, by the way, even when he was there, even at his prime, you know who Robert Gates is? He was the Secretary of Defense under Bush and Obama. He was Director of the CIA under, I think, Reagan and George H.W. Bush. 
Guy's been around for a long time. He's a Republican. He's a conservative. He's a bit of a, you know, country club Republican. He's no Trumper, but he's been for around for a long time. And even he said, like, I don't think he's going to be a good president. I can't, I just, he's been wrong on every national, major national security. These guys have both been around for decades. And Biden has been wrong on everything. And uh, now he has that track record behind him. And now he has advanced uh, whatever's going on with his brain. He's going to be 80 next month, 80. That exceeds people's comfort level, I think. 80 is just, you know, it's great. People live to be 100 these days, 110. But 80 for a president, I'm sorry, it's just too old. And what is he doing there? He's hanging out with people like, this is Dylan Mulvaney. This Dylan had a major, Dylan Mulvaney is a new woman. Dylan Mulvaney is a boy, had a surgery a few months back, and became a girl. And remember, Joe Biden has, uh, he's kind of got a fetish when it comes to this stuff. Cut 20. I said last year, especially to our younger transgender Americans, I'll always have your back as your president so you can be yourself and reach your God-given potential. To everyone celebrating Transgender Day of Visibility. I want you to know that your president sees you. Yeah, that's a little much, don't you think? It's just a little bit much to talk about transgender children when you're the president of the United States. That's best left to the parent. Look, everybody sees everybody. We want everybody to live up to their God-given potential. But we don't believe that includes giving children uh, puberty blockers, which can render them sterile, unable to have children. Puberty blockers have long-term effects that we have not yet come to terms with, that we don't know fully. It just makes sense. You're going to delay puberty with this artificial uh, uh, injection? No way. Yet Joe is going there. Why? Because the woke left is fixated on this stuff. They And Joe, I think, does have a weakness for it. You know? He's always been... He's always been inappropriate with children. He's always been inappropriate with old ladies. He's always been inappropriate with everybody. Um, and now this. So, oh, wait, where was I talking about? Oh, yeah, so they had this character come by the White House. Does this look like somebody who should be taking the president, the time of the president of the United States? Listen to this. Cut 21. It's day 222 of being a girl. I'm in Washington, D.C., and I'm going to the White House to speak to the president of the United States. Yeah, this isn't just some uh, dope on, uh, you know, just wasting time on social media. This person is no kidding going to see the president of the United States. In fact, saw them over the weekend. Uh, Cut 22. Oh, my God, I'm running late. Let's go. And y'all are obviously wondering what I'm going to wear to meet the president. Here you go. It's the trans flag colors. Cute, right? It's the heels. Okay, Dylan, you're going to be great. I love you. Let's go. Come on. By the way, I saw what uh, Dylan was wearing. It was awful. Just awful. Totally. I'm playing a caricature of a woman, by the way. Just like kind of over the top. It's, uh, and there's more of this. Cut 23. The fact that our president has watched Days of Girlhood, it's kind of epic. And I'm not going to lie, I have been, I've been having a rough go of it lately. A lot of darkness. And, and today was what I needed to keep going. Interesting. There's a little moment of truth. A lot of darkness. Dylan Mulvaney has been going through. Dylan Mulvaney is now a girl. You heard that day two twenty two, 
had, I guess, the surgery that they wanted for a long time. It happened less than a year ago, day 222. Now Dylan Mulvaney is a girl, and there's still a lot of darkness because this surgery doesn't take care of what's on the inside. You know, it doesn't fix what's what might be the real problem. Somebody put it to me this way. It's like anorexia. If somebody comes in and says, uh, I feel fat, yet they weigh 80 pounds, you don't put that patient uh, on IV and say, okay, let's see if we can lose uh, 10% of your body weight. You don't do that, right? You don't just listen to the patient. The patient doesn't self-diagnose, say, I feel fat. Okay, let's see if we can drop some pounds. They're 80 pounds, but we're going to, the patient feels fat, so we're going to fix that. Same goes for transgender. You know, somebody comes in, I think I am a girl. Well, you're an anatomical boy. What's going on here? Uh, nope, we're not even going to ask what's going on here. We're just going to hook you up with some hormones. We're just going to uh, schedule that surgery. You know, people like John Stewart says, oh, it doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. It's happening that way because this stuff is trendy. This is a shortcut to status. Hey, who in the, who in the hell in America wants to do any work anymore? Work. It's drudgery. It's a pain in the neck. It's, uh, no, no. But you can be a star like Dylan. Oh, and is Donald Trump really watching the show? What's the name of that show? Uh, 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 Girl, Girls Are Us or something like that? Uh, Cut 24. This is an episode of this person's show that Joe Biden claims to watch, at least said to her that he watches. Cut 24. Breaking news. It's day 220 of being a girl, and we have another boob update. I have been on hormones now for 10 months, and I started to dissolve my estrogen pills under my tongue, which some of my trans gal friends told me to do. And I'm not a doctor, so don't take my word for it. But I'm telling you, it's working so much better. You know, you might think, okay, it's just a person. It's just an individual on the Internet. You can say whatever the hell you want. And I do believe that you can say whatever you want. But this Dylan Mulvaney, who you probably haven't heard of before, and I haven't heard of, I'm not into TikTok, by the way, that's a that's a Chinese project to gain control in our country. Um, Dylan Mulvaney has 8.3 million followers on TikTok. I, I've seen children fall total prey, captive to TikTok. It really seems to be a dangerous, corrosive thing. I really like Kellyanne Conway, uh, you know, the daughter was um, all swept up in that, and they almost lost her. Hey, there's a new prime minister of the U.K. His name is Rishi Sunak. Rishi Sunak. That was quick. He's a pretty sharp-looking guy. He's 42 years old. Oh, boy, that's uh, getting to that point. You know what I mean? People are now taking over countries who are younger than me. Um, that's okay. That's uh, it's bound to happen. I remember Walter Cronkite actually looking at footage uh, January uh, no it must have been November 1960 when 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 JFK became president and there were a bunch of guys it's him Eric Severide and some other journalists and they're like well we all have to now come to terms with a president being younger than we are and it is a moment it is it is a moment you know you always think the president is this old guy or you know what I mean you're a kid all this time that guy's 42 years old. By the way, I think he lived in New York for a good chunk of time. He went to Stanford for business school, and he, uh, Oxford, of course, is said to be worth close to a billion dollars. He worked at Goldman Sachs for a while, and now they're giving him a big round of applause. Can't be that bad. He's the, he's a conservative, right? He's still a conservative. She just stepped down as the head of the conservative party. I hope he's a conservative. 
So he's got a new house, 10 Downing Street. Looks like he has a very nice wife, Rishi Sunak. I don't know where he, um, I think he was born in the UK, but his family emigrated, I guess, from somewhere else. So that's a big deal. There's also this. Let's see how big a deal this could be. Folks, get excited. Nancy, uh, what's her, not Nancy, Kathy, Kathy Hochul is going to lose this election if we come out to vote, if we get serious, okay? And by the way, um, you know, when they constantly say, oh, you're an election denier, if you, have, you, you, if you have concerns like I do about the 2020 election, you're not an election denier, you're just a smart person. Here's this, New York Post. Allowing New Yorkers to vote by mail due to fear of COVID-19 is unconstitutional, a state judge said Friday in a ruling that Republican and conservative party leaders hailed as a victory for fair elections. The 28-page ruling by Saratoga County Supreme Court Justice Diane Freestone ordered local boards of election to stop counting the absentee ballots they've already received. Instead, officials have to preserve the ballots until after Election Day or the resolution of a pending suit filed by state and local GOP conservative party leaders. Democrat officials immediately filed a notice saying they would appeal the judge's decision. In her ruling, Freestone said that the Democrat-controlled legislature appears poised to continue their expanded absentee voting provisions of New York State election law. In an Orwellian perpetual state of health emergency, and cloaked in the veneer of voter enfranchisement. Oh, man, this judge is good. This judge is good. Rejecting arguments made by a lawyer uh, for the State Board of Elections at a hearing earlier this month, Freestone said that there are uncounted reasons for this court to second-guess the wisdom of the legislature. Okay. And this this happened across the country, by the way, especially especially Pennsylvania. The judge stopped short of invalidating absentee ballots that have already been cast, but her decision could lead to the overturning of a state law that blocks people from changing their mail-in votes by showing up to cast in-person ballots on Election Day. Oh, yeah. The scenario could hurt Democrat Governor Kathy Hochul, who's been losing ground to Republican Lee Zeldin. I know it now. He's going to win. We got to do it. We got to support him. Don't snooze. Snooze, you lose. But this is going to be glorious. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, uh, let's take a call or two. Uh, let's try Tim in Manhattan. Hi, Tim. Hey, uh, good afternoon, Greg. Uh, so you mentioned that no president should be 80 years old. And I know. No, I didn't say that. 70. I didn't quite. I didn't quite say that. I know where you're going with this. Um Joe Biden should not be president. All right. Listen, look, have you seen Mike Bloomberg around lately? Mike Bloomberg, his mother lived to the age of like 112. Now, Mike Bloomberg looks he looks like he's 60. Uh, Donald Trump will be 78, I think, in 2024. Have you seen any sign of decline in Donald Trump? Any whatsoever? Have you seen any? Any? I, have you even seen him age at all, Tim? Have you seen him age? No, and that's a good point. I was, I was going to make the point that that Trump is the exception. He is funny. He's inspiring. He has not lost a step. And I think it's sickening every time Joe Biden makes a mess up, thinks his son died in Iraq. Like, when are we going to be like, this guy's not okay to be the president? But now we have a guy over here that 
proved himself to be a better candidate. I, I just don't get it. Well, uh, a lot of people don't get it, and a lot of people don't trust the results of 2020. They just don't. I don't believe that Joe Biden got more African-American votes in key cities than Barack Obama. I don't believe it. I don't. Um, now, one thing, though, I think he, he, let's face it, Biden zones out all the time and loses it. That moment, though, was not um, that was not a zone out. That was a lack of integrity on Biden's part, claiming his son died, excuse me, in Iraq. That was just embellishment on Joe's part. It just sounds better, and it's really a disgrace. It dishonors his son, actually. Thank you, Tim. Natalie in Suffolk County, hi. Hi, Greg. How not are you? Terrific. What's happening? Uh, not, well, the usual stuff. I'm noticing that Eric Adams and his little friend Kathy Hochul have suddenly, right before election time, decided they're going to do something about the crime in the subway. They're going to increase costs. We're going to have so many more cops in the subway, and we're going to bring psychiatric care as well. But it's a laugh because I have a son who's a transit officer, lower Manhattan area. These cops have been doing an egregious amount of overtime for almost two years straight now, and it's mandatory. Okay, so now the public, the general public is going to hear, oh, good, more cops in the subway. But there aren't more cops to put. Yes, we've just had a new class graduate. The amount of people that graduated is nowhere near the amount that have left due to being having no more qualified immunity, being treated terribly, possibly going to jail for doing their job. So they've left or they've retired early. So the officers you have on duty now who are already doing mandatory four hours every day, every night, are going to probably, and for a while this year, it was six hours they tried to do mandatory eight hours, but I, if I have the story right, my son said someone in another command on his way home from work fell asleep at the wheel. So somebody said, oh, maybe we better not do that. So this is people have... Did the guy get into an accident? He got into an accident. Have Thank goodness he wasn't killed. I remember yeah, my yeah. dad talking about this, somebody that he worked with, uh, but he had narcolepsy, he actually fell asleep at the wheel and crashed and died. Um, you know, look, you're, 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 you and your, uh, your son there or whoever told you all that stuff is a thousand percent right. Only 600 people, only 600 cadets, uh, graduated from the police academy. It looks like we're losing 4,000 cops. This is all, uh, overtime. This is all numbers trickery on their part. Um, this is, and by the way, <laughs> Kathy Hochul talked a big game of moving cops and, uh, you know how many she has to play with? Only 800, 800, and most of them are already tied up. So we're talking about a couple of dozen cops. It's cosmetic, it's political, and it's too late. Kathy, Eric, we, we have your numbers, and you're no, you can't fool a New Yorker. You can't fool a New Yorker. That's why we're going to have a spectacular victory very soon. Natalie, thank you. There's the music. I'll be back soon. Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, a big announcement from the Justice Department. I thought it was going to be about January 6th. They are totally obsessed with January 6th. Uh, refreshingly, no. It's about, uh, I guess, the Chinese government were harassing Chinese citizens in America, threatening them with, if you don't come home to China right now, we're going to sue you in America like crazy and make your life very, very difficult. That does sound a lot like the Justice Department. It certainly sounds like Letitia James harassing Donald Trump, doesn't it? <laughs> Where have we seen something like that before? Um, well, 
that's uh, that's that. I do not. Excuse me. I have a feeling they will. They will keep banging the January sixth drum. There's going to be something between now and election day because you know we just saw it. Uh, we all sat through it. We saw it on January sixth. We saw other riots for two years. We know that it was blown totally out of proportion. But I just thought about this this morning, January 6th, the hearings that we've seen. You know, I showed um, footage on my Newsmax show of the actual moment Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed. You'd be surprised how many well-informed, gifted people, smart, savvy, you know, have not seen that footage. Um, There are members of my own family, uh, extended family, who have not seen that footage. You know, for the January 6th committee to have their hearings and not mention Ashley Babbitt, not get to the bottom of that, not looking at these. This footage should be kind of emblazoned, you know, just in our hard drive. We should all be familiar with it. What they did is like having an investigation. It's like the Warren Commission without looking at the Zapruder film. You know, how can you investigate the assassination of JFK without looking at the Zapruder film? You ever see the Zapruder film? Of course, everybody's seen it. Hey, by the way, you know who made it uh, initially famous? It was, uh, well, Life magazine printed some stills. But I think it was Geraldo Rivera uh, who put it on television for the very first time. And it is shocking. I saw Geraldo. It was in the 70s, I think. And uh, the first time they show it, and it's like, ooh, you know, the headshot. It's uh, And guts go all over. That thing was very, very shocking. To this day, it really is something. And to this day, if you watch it closely, if you slow it down, and zoom in, you can categorically prove that the shot, including the kill shot, came from behind, up and from behind, the sixth floor of that school book depository building. Um, school book depository. Have you ever been there, by the way? The sixth, uh, they call it the sixth floor. I've been there. And you can look out the window and you can see it's a relatively easy shot. Yeah, but it was a moving target. Yeah, but he was going like two miles per hour. But Oswald wasn't a good shot in the Marine Corps. Actually, he was pretty decent. You have to be a decent shot to be in the Marine Corps. And he had a telescopic sight, which makes that shot even easier. Yes, but there wasn't enough time to move the bolt action. Yes, there was, actually. The first round was already kind of chambered. So he only had to do the bolt action action twice. Anyway, Oswald did it, and he did it by himself. Um... But as to uh, Ashley Babbitt and why the cops let people inside and why those cops walked away at the moment of truth just before she died. And if you listen to Michael Byrd talk about it, well, if you felt that she was a threat, then I guess everybody that day was a threat. Why didn't you just shoot everybody? I guess, According to Michael Byrd, everybody was a legitimate target. Well, nobody was a legitimate target. Anybody in law enforcement, any honest person in law enforcement. Hey, does anybody really believe that Fetterman is going to win in Pennsylvania? I don't. Fetterman is, um, no. And the debate is tomorrow night. Oh, and I guess so. Kathy Hochul is debating Lee Zeldin, but it's a phony baloney debate. It's going to be on New York One, which is a very hard channel to get. I don't have Time Warner anymore or Spectrum or whatever the hell it is. Uh, and they're very kind of, uh, they hoard their clips. It's very hard to see that stuff. How can we help Lee Zeldin? Well, we can get out and vote for him, and uh, we can send money, but it's almost getting too late for the sending money routine. You know what I mean? It's uh, like, what else can you do? 
they can't buy much more commercial time. But look, money does not hurt. It does not hurt. Oh, here's a thing where Joe Biden kind of lost his he lost his uh, place today. I lose my place sometimes, but I don't know. When Joe Biden does it, it's worse. The consequences are greater. And it's because of uh, cognitive issues. It's, well, you tell me, does this seem, are we looking for this from a president of the United States? He's talking to Jonathan Capehart, who I know, I used to know this guy. He's gotten totally crazy, woke, left, whatever. He worked for Bloomberg. I wonder if he tells anybody at MSNBC that. Anyway, cut three, please. I have not made that formal decision, but it's my intention. My intention to run again. And we have time to make that decision. Uh, Dr. Biden is for it. Mr. President. Oh, Dr. Biden thinks that uh, my wife thinks that. uh, That I uh, that that we're that we're doing something very important. Wow. Dr. Biden, I think, wants Joe to quit. (laughs) Dr. Biden's not thinking about reelection. Dr. Jill Biden. Very touchy about that stuff, by the way. Um. Hmm. That was worse than I thought it would be. Let's see here. Uh, but Joe says our concerns are valid, actually. Cut four. I, I think it's a legitimate thing to be concerned about anyone's age, including mine. I think that's totally legitimate. But I think the best way to make the judgment is to, uh, to you know, watch me. You know, am I slowing up? Am I don't have the same pace? As her? You know, uh, and that old joke, you know, uh, um, Everybody talks about the, you know, the new 70s, 50s, all that stuff. You know, I, you know, it could be, I'm a great respecter of fate. I could get a disease tomorrow. I could, you know, drop dead tomorrow. Um, It's kind of an odd thing to say in his shoes. I don't know. Could he drop dead tomorrow? I'm always hearing about how healthy he is, how this and that he is. Uh, According to him, just watch me, just watch me. Well, we've been watching, and we are not impressed. Hey, uh, back here in New York, crime, number one issue, although leaders like to say that it's a figment of our imagination. The statistics don't bear it up. Well, uh, number one, I don't believe you. I think you're playing around with the statistics. And number two, got to remember, as far as subway violence, very few people are riding the subway anymore. All right. They've been scared off it. If you listen to me, I say, don't take the damn subway. I've took, I've taken it a handful of times this year. Every time I take it, I regret it. I told you the last time I was on it, some guy, some maniac was giving me the eye. I mean, he wanted to, he was thinking about doing something to me. I know he was probably look, I was scared. It probably looked like I was scared because I, I got off at the next stop, even though that was my scheduled stop. If he wants to feel like he had upper hand, he can feel it. You know, the days of, um, you know, what are you looking at? Uh, no, I'm not going to play. I used to play that game. <laughs> it's just a very silly game to play. Hey, Ray Kelly, my dad, longest serving police commissioner, best police commissioner. People forget 2013, his last year in office, NYPD approval was at 70 percent. Seventy percent of the public liked the job the NYPD was doing. 75% like the job Ray Kelly was doing. I think uh, 75% of New Yorkers don't know who the police commissioner is now. Uh, unfortunately, the de facto commissioner seems to be Eric Adams. He wants to be the police commissioner. He wants to be, uh, he can't believe that he's the, he's the boss. He's a punk. And he's having too much fun. 
Uh, he said he won't rest. He won't rest until we get subway crime under control. He won't rest until uh, it's time to go to Club uh, Casanova or wherever the hell he likes to hang out. Anyway, here's a professional talking about the situation. Ray Kelly on Katz's Roundtable. Cut seven. What's the deal back he there? He this big Sydney in America just a few years ago. So this is not brain surgery. You go back and look at the things we were doing then. And you re-implement them, but uh, apparently the mayor doesn't want to doesn't want to do this. Doesn't want to put back in anti-crime units. Doesn't want to uh, use the stop and frisk in a natural, normal way. Yeah, yeah. Some people say, "Wait a second, he brought back the anti-crime unit." Eric Adams did. No, he didn't. See, anti-crime. The essence of anti-crime is undercover, plain clothes. What did Eric do? He gave them all NYPD T-shirts. Wear these. NYPD hats. I mean, like, okay, so they're no longer undercover. Therefore, they're no longer anti-crime. Uh, a little bit more from Ray Kelly. Cut eight, please. Transit police, to my judgment, it has to be uh, the Transit Police Bureau has to be looked at, re-examined, because when they were a separate police department, they had 4,400 police officers. Now, in the Transit Bureau, there's about 2,500 that's a major reduction. Uh, I, would, I would use some sort of outside entity to come in and take a look at the transit police, see what their manning level should be, see what posts should be covered. I think they need a, a fresh look at the transit system because we know the subways are the lifeblood of New York. People are still not going to get on them. You know, every day you read about a crime, and that just reinforces the notion that uh, it's too dangerous to travel on the subway. Isn't it amazing? Because Kathy Hochul gave the criminals a good talking to. She really, I mean, she really let them have it. I mean, she gave them a really good scolding uh, a couple of months ago. Do you remember this? Cut 29. We say no more. No more mass shootings. No more disrupting lives. No more creating heartbreak for people just trying to live their lives as normal New Yorkers. It has to end. It ends now. Wow. You know, all the maniacs, they heard that, and they put their guns away. They they, they shelved their plans. Well, you know, Kathy, we got to well, – she's not fooling around. Um, what a pathetic display that was. Uh, you know, we're always seeing body cam footage from police. Uh-oh, they made a mistake. Or you ever see the videos – we see videos from two sources primarily. Airline passengers taking pictures and videos of each other and videos of cops. Those are the two most picked-upon groups – but teachers, occasionally they actually, and they, they, look, they, a lot of them have a tough job. Some of them are good. These teachers are terrible. This happened down in Mississippi. Listen to these teachers. They're wearing the spookiest, uh, oh, what is that uh, movie? Uh, scream masks. These masks are scary. And they're the teachers are running around terrifying kids. Cut 28. Oh, my goodness gracious. You know, it's those are students. They were terrified. Most of the screaming you heard was from the students. The teachers were walking around in terrifying masks, yelling at the kids. Well, those teachers have been arrested for, like, felony harassment. No joke. Finally. All right, give me a moment. Your calls when I come back. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. 
Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, if the midterms go well, as I suspect they will, if we all do our part, get out there, it will be a just talk about a power to the people moment it's everything is stacked against us the mainstream media big tech uh the entire system uh and if the people rise up and say enough is enough i'm I'm looking at this right now there's a lawsuit going on accusing the biden administration of colluding with big tech during covid some of the witnesses who will be deposed uh fauci and jen saki they were sending um, messages to uh, big tech right from the White House saying, we want this taken down. And they're like, absolutely. Oh, somebody criticized Fauci. Uh, can you delete that? Yes. You can't do that. You can't. So what they've been saying is, you know, First Amendment, the government shall pass no law that inhibits freedom of speech or in any way controls the press. Uh, but it looks like they've delegated the uh, They've delegated it to private uh, industry, big tech. You know, the government can't do it, but the the government can direct private individuals to do it or private companies like Facebook, like Twitter. These damn companies, they're too, they're too damn big, and we need to take them back. I really think that there's an antitrust case to be made here. Uh, let's see here. Sandra, hi, in New Jersey. Good, uh, good afternoon. Welcome back. Um, I wanted to comment about Dick Morris and Donald Trump having opposing views on when to vote. Donald Trump wants you to vote the day of the election, and Dick Morris and constituents feel that maybe that's not such a good idea because things can happen on that day. Someone can get sick or or there's a rainstorm or a snowstorm. The other way, you're sure to vote, but Donald's worried if you don't vote on that day, the votes can be played around with. So I wanted to get your opinion on that. Well, there's something else Dick mentions, too. If, like, let's say, okay, we're all going to vote on Election Day. We're all going to vote on Election Day. So conservatives vote on Election Day. Well, what happens if it rains on Election Day? And what happens if the weather is nasty? You know, that that turns down voting by, like, 10%, 20%. I forgot what it is. Generally speaking, it was seen as though... Uh, Somehow rainy days hurt Democrats more than Republicans. Uh, now, in this scenario, it could be totally devastating to conservatives. I don't Look, I don't like any of the early voting stuff. I think you vote on Election Day. I think, if you look it up, I think it says in the Constitution, it actually talks about the day of. It'll be the first Tuesday in November or the you know, second, whatever it is. It's like a, it's tied to the agricultural season. That's how they came up with it. That's where the, the harvest is done, basically. Everybody's been to market. And people are getting ready for the winter. That's why they chose Election Day in November. And it does, in the Constitution, refer to a day, not a month, not six weeks. So, look, I don't know enough, to be honest, about that. I I, I, I do get a little bit nervous, though, waiting for Election Day. Also, the bad guys can see how this vote is going, and then they can kind of tilt it. They can They can move it. I don't like it. 
I hope everything goes well. I don't like any of this stuff. They shouldn't have messed with it. It wasn't broken. Remember? It worked. They fixed something that wasn't broken. And now they've actually potentially managed to break it. I don't like it, Sandra. Mm, I understand. All I right. Agree. But whatever you do, just get out and vote. We got to do however you do it. Um, we got to get out and vote. All right. Let's do uh, G- Joe in uh, L- Long Island. Hi. Good afternoon. Uh, after listening to Cheney and the other haters, the other Trump haters, it just it just hit me like a ton of bricks. If these people were around 1900 and 89 years ago, they'd be cheering as Christ is nailed to the cross. There's been no man hated in this world more than Donald Trump since Jesus Christ, and because Jesus Christ was the biggest disruptor to the status quo. And uh, my last thing, uh, Dr. Jill and the president went to a restaurant. She sits down and says, give me your finest steak, medium well. Uh, the the uh, waiter says, what about the vegetable? He'll have what I'm having. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad at all. Hey, by the way, whenever you're receiving criticism, whenever you're uh, being hounded by your boss or colleagues or whatever the hell's going on, just remember the perfect person. They did not like the perfect person. Can you believe that? And you know what? You're onto something with your uh, analogy to uh, to Christ and Trump. I don't uh, I don't dismiss that at all. All right. Thank you, Joe. And uh, there he is, new U.K. prime minister. He's younger than me and richer than me. I hate that guy. Just kidding. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, the Trump Organization is on trial. Oh, yeah. Is that Alan Weisselberg thing? I thought he already pleaded guilty. Down at the Manhattan DA's, some sort of tax case. Gosh, this is government harassment. Absolute government harassment. Now, now they do it. Now they do it. Four years, six years, they couldn't do it. They've been looking at it for six years. Now they got this thing going. And it is a phony, flimsy case. These people have been tormented, tormented. It's amazing that Donald Trump is thinking about doing it again after all he's been through. And by the way, that's the word, that's the phrase he used over the weekend. I always kind of assumed he'd definitely do it, but I don't know. Let me see here. By the way, did you see the Trump rally? I actually saw about half of it. I always like to watch the whole thing. I only watched half. I'm going to watch the other half uh, later today. Uh, Here are some highlights, and this is the probably part. Mm, What do you think? This was in Robson, Texas. That's outside of Corpus Christi somewhere. Mm, Cut 50, please. I ran twice, I won twice, and did much better the second time than I did the first. Getting millions more votes in 2020 than we got in 2016, and likewise getting more votes than any sitting president in the history of our country by far. And now, in order to make our country successful, safe, and glorious again, I will probably have to do it again. Mm. Uh, Okay, the crowd loved it. 
And that did sound, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he has to say, he has to say probably because if he says I'm running, apparently a bunch of things kick in about, uh, it's kind of like me. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about running for mayor. If I say formally I'm running for mayor, then everything like the clock starts now and then I can probably only be on the radio for uh, two minutes a week or something, not, you know, all kinds of rules kick in. So I'm thinking about running for mayor. I might, but I'm not sure yet. And it's true. I'm not sure yet, but I am taking a good look at it because Ewick <clears throat> needs to be needs to be removed. And uh, I have a feeling that, well, the Democrats are going to fall in line behind him. And um, yeah, and I can't take another um, another term of this. It's it's bad enough that he's there now. All right. Back to Trump. Cut. Uh, let's see here. Cut. Forty nine. You can take the five worst presidents in American history and put them together, and they would not have done the damage Joe Biden has done to our nation in less than two years. Yeah, he's right about that. Let's go uh, cut 51. The choice this November is simple. Democrats will defund the police. Republicans will defund the cartels. Under my leadership, we waged a very tough war on the cartels. We ended catch and release. We stopped asylum fraud. We deported illegal alien gang members by the thousands and thousands. We sent them back, got them the hell out of our country. <laughs> hey, by the way, you know what came out on Friday night? Uh, 2.4 million border crossings in 2022. Uh, 98 people hauled in who were on the terror watch list. You know how many? Under uh, Trump? Six. All right, they had a much... They had control of the border. They had control of it. And uh, now, and it's the the really dangerous thing is they don't want to have control. They want to give up this country. They just don't love America like we do. They want to fundamentally change it. They want to make it a a socialist, communist country. That's what they're getting at. That's what they want. And uh, we have to get out there and stop them. And if we do, and I think we can, wow, with all that's going against us, you know, with all that they've done to stop Trump, to limit social media, conservatives' presence, the mainstream media working full time for Democrats, and we should, we still prevail. I mean, maybe, just maybe, big chunks of society will start to be more democratic. Listen to the people more instead of listening to the elites and each other. And that's what they do on the Sunday shows, by the way. It's not about the viewers, and they don't have that many viewers, but they have uh, they have some important viewers, people who write for the Associated Press, and they just, every question is designed to uh, get in the AP. Oh, we got pickup, we got pickup. And it just feeds their ego, because no one is more likely to watch the show, because, you know, somebody made news on the show. Well, that means, okay, that... I missed it. <laughs> I'm reading about it. That doesn't make me more likely to read the show. Hey, is this guy in handcuffs? Who the hell are they bringing out? Is that Alan Weisselberg? It is. He's going to be the star witness. He just came out. He's not testifying against Trump, but he may testify against uh, the Trump organization. What did um, What did Stalin say? Show me the man. I'll show you the crime. Oh, they come up with that rule book and they start looking at things, you know. The longer the list gets of people who are in trouble, who have been associated with Donald Trump, it doesn't implicate Donald Trump. It actually doesn't even implicate these people. It implicates prosecutors, federal, state prosecutors, 
Uh, these folks are overly zealous. Um, they're being selective. And I know the list is getting big. Listen to this. Cut 26. Seven people have pleaded guilty. We've learned at least 16 Trump associates have had contact with Russians. And it goes on like that, right? Remember that stuff during the Russia hoax? But the list is now, the, the, the list of convictions, the list of people who are no kidding in trouble. But if you dig a little bit deeper, it never has anything to do with Donald Trump. Even Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen. The Michael Cohen. Remember him? It was all about that it was a taxi cab stuff. And they threw in, they tried to throw in, oh, we got him for the uh, check to Stormy Daniels. No, they didn't. That had nothing to do with it. Nothing at all. Rochelle from Rockland County. Hi. Oh, hi. Thank you so Thank you so much for all your service. I'm so grateful. But I'm calling because I believe we can ensure the election of Zeldin by publicizing the proposed evil, evil Albany bill that says minors could have medical operations without parental consent, that transgender hormones, puberty blockers, vaccines, even if untested, can be administered without parental consent. And get this, medical records can be tampered with. I don't even know what that means, so that parents won't know what is being done. This is Law A6693, and there's another bill mandating sexual education in kindergarten. As Hochul said, that's a wonderful vocal that this has to end and it has to end now. And maybe he, he could even mention it tomorrow at the debate. All right. Thank so you. wait, what's the other one? You say a six, six, nine, three. What's the other bill? I don't have the name. I heard it on the radio by Cara Casanova. Oh, Cara, Cara Castronova. She's great. We're rooting for her. She's running for the assembly. And uh, I mean to have her on before the election. Uh, yeah, listen, I uh, this is all the rage. Now, just because it's a bill doesn't mean it's going to become a law, but given the makeup of those that crazy assembly and state Senate, it probably will. And Kathy Hochul is dumb enough and weird enough to sign the damn thing. So this is a good issue. I didn't know that this was even on the table. I, I got to admit, I know other states have been pushing it, but you haven't heard much about it in New York, except Eric Adams loves the drag queens coming into class and talking to the kids. Remember, this guy was supposed to be some sort of moderate. This guy was supposed to be you know, tough on crime and, and you know, not crazy. I told you. I told you he was nuts. Why? There hasn't been a lot of attention, right, Rochelle? Correct. And she said there's so much support for these bills. I can't believe it. A Democrat, a Republican, it doesn't matter who you are. You have to hate this bill. And, and I think that this will bring us over the, the finish line. With a lot more votes, I I hope so. All right, I'm going to look it up and uh, thank you for that, Rochelle, uh, very very much. Dan in Queens, yes. Hi, Greg. How are you? Thank you for taking my phone call. Uh, I'm a retired New York City police detective. I worked for your dad uh, both two times, but when he was in the Dinkins administration and both in the Bloomberg. Uh, I remember him talk. There was talk about him possibly running for mayor, and he would have been a great mayor for the city. He knew he would know how to f- face the problems that the city is under. He was a great leader, uh, proven leader. And a problem solver. Uh, with that said, I uh, hope that you really will consider seriously running for mayor. It would be great to uh, have someone in. You already have a great counsel on your father. And I'm sure there's a lot of people, that, of course, that he knows on the inside that would be able to uh, help you in any way. And uh, we got to get the city back on track because right now we're losing it. I've been working in the city for over 40 years between the police department and then other businesses. And I've seen it come from a transformation from bad to great, and now we're going back to bad again. And I'm sorry, it's going to be a tough thing to get it back to where we were, but it has to be done. And we need someone like you in city government to try to help with that. Well, Dan, thank you very much for your kind words, and I'm taking a good look at it. And uh, 
I actually think I could do it. I think I could pull it off. And um, so, uh, Dan, do me a favor. Stay in touch. I'm going to need people like you to help, okay? I'll, I'll be on your side, believe me. And I will help you campaign and uh, love your father. Like I said, he was a great leader in the police department, and I hope his health is well. And uh, uh, keep that in mind because the city does really need you. Thank you, uh, believe sir. Me. Thank you very, very much. Hey, by the way, thank you, Bill. Um, you know, I just looked up that bill, A6693. Is that the right number she gave me? Because this has nothing to do with the transgender stuff. It's uh, the emergency repair program. Every municipality shall set up a program that repairs emergency violations of habitability. Uh, sometimes they stick the weird stuff in the middle of the bill. Is that what's going on here? Uh, I don't know. I don't see it. I was impressed that she had that number, A6693. I found A6693. Let me see if it has anything else. Yeah, establishes daylight savings time as the year. Wait, what is this nonsense? I want to find the damn stuff about the the kids and gender. Let's see here. New York State Assembly Gender Bill, Gender Transition Bill, uh, Transition. I'm a pretty good Googler, by the way. People tell me they can't find stuff. They've been looking all day. I, I find it in like eight seconds, I, literally. Uh, okay, here we go. I think I found it. Um, this would be a little bit different from what she says. Oh, gosh. Uh, the I, enacts the Gender Identity Respect, Dignity, and Safety Act relates to the treatment and placement of incarcerated people based upon gender identity. Well, this is another crazy thing. Isn't that totally crazy, by the way? If I got sentenced to jail, I could just say, you know, I identify as, I feel like a, my name is Georgina now, and I identify as a woman. They would send me to the women's prison. That just might take the sting out of prison a little bit. You got all kinds of people doing this. And you know what happens? Um, These men masquerading as women in the women's prison, you know what they do? They beat women to death, and they rape them. It's documented. It happens. I saw this, uh, an amazing, she was, she was actually quite liberal leaning and she was a microbiologist and she stands up at this big gathering and, and talks about how this is going on and how does she know it? She says, because in women's prison, women don't beat each other to death. That happens all the time in men's prison, but it never happens in women's prison until recently, until they started sending the self-identifying people. Oh, I'm a woman today. And they send them to the women's jail, and they uh, have this nasty tendency to beat people to death. Any incarcerated individual in a correctional facility who has a gender identity that differs from their assigned sex at birth, who has a diagnosis of gender dysphoria, which I'm sure is very easy to get, who has a variation in their sex characteristics, or who identifies as transgender, gender nonconforming, non-binary, or intersex, shall be addressed by correctional officers and staff in a manner that mostly closely aligns with such person's gender identity. Yeah, I always want the I always want my prison guards to be woke, don't you? Uh, including the name and pronouns specified by that person. Oh my God, the pronouns. We're gonna saddle prison guards with the pronouns. That doesn't seem like a realistic expectation. I've seen a lot of prison movies, and I don't think this is going to work. If a person states that in order to most closely align with their gender identity, they use a name that is different from the name listed on their government-issued identification, they shall be addressed and referred to by their requested name. How about prisoner 12345? You know, 
What was that guy's? Uh, what was that guy in Clockwork Orange? Six double five three two one. Tell me six double five three two one. How does that make you feel? Oh man, this is insanity. This is insanity. This is crazy. Relates to the treatment and placement of incarcerated people. Requires that incarcerated people in state and local correctional facilities who have gender identity different from the persons assigned sex at birth be addressed and have access to commissary items, clothing, and other materials that are consistent with the gender's identity. Establishes that incarcerated people shall be presumptively placed in a correctional facility with persons of the gender that most closely aligns with such person's self-attested gender identity unless the person opts out of such placement. Where do you want to go? The men's prison or the women's prison? Um, Yeah, this is literally... Literally insane and dangerous. Very dangerous. Oh, it's going to be a glorious, glorious election day. I'll be right back. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, my goodness gracious. We're almost out of the show. I got to go across the street. I'm going to have a fantastic show on the Newsmax program tonight, 10 o'clock, setting up a lot of things for the midterms, which will be glorious. I I can feel it in my bones. Um, I'm going to uh, really hammer Liz Cheney, the super brat, and um, I... Maybe I, I got to look at the numbers, see if people like this stuff. But I en- I'm enjoying the hell out of reading these books, these big fake news books. That they're all they're quickie books. They write them really quick so they can make money, and uh, they're so cheap and they're so full of mistakes. And this one that Maggie Haberman did on Trump is the worst. Is the worst, and I'm finding all kinds of problems in it. And uh, that will continue. Let's see here. I've got to uh, let's go to Pete real quick in Piscataway, Pete. Hello. Um, I heard you mention a while back that your wife is very happy when you bond with your callers. Well, how about if we had a Bible study and bonded, and wouldn't that make her very, very happy? I don't recall her saying anything of the sort, by the way. I I must must say, bonding with the callers. I mean, some of you guys are great. Some of you guys are nuts. You know, that... well, anyways, you just think of it this way. You could get out of that city with all the uh, crime. And oh, you mean meet you in person? Yeah. No, I'm not, I, I can't do that. I have no time. Pete, I'm sorry. I have no time. Even if oh, you okay. totally, you know, I just, I just can't. I literally have no time. I can't do it. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, you know what? Super. I mean, I, 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 I mean, listen, let's face it. I got to see my brother before I see you, right? Okay. You know what okay. I mean? I mean, look. Yeah. I, I I just I just no I pre I yeah I, all right no it's one thing on the phone but uh, no thanks Pete anyway I'm sorry I can't do it uh, and neither can you or are you retired yeah yeah okay all right I'm retired uh, good for you but I can't do it I'm sorry you know look I'm gonna be retired one day and I gotta you know sock away as much as I can uh, in the meantime Joseph in Fairfield Connecticut yes. Uh, hello, uh, Colonel uh, Gregory, if you don't mind, call you that. I want to talk about some information about 
uh, William J. Huckle, the husband of uh, Kathy Huckle. Tell me more. This Tell me one. what you got. This is important. Delaware North is one of the biggest privately owned uh, concession companies and does uh, entertainment, gaming, uh, hospitality, food services all over the world. They're involved with the Buffalo Arena. Yeah, I know. And he's, he's he, put, he, he wait, relax. That's the company he's the general counsel for. He's a general counsel. I know he's this. Also the, the secretary. All right. But she's pushing for gaming all over the state. And that's that's her connection. That's where she's getting her backing also from this company. And that's a very dangerous association for the people of New York State. It is. And by the way, I think the stadium deal had something to do with that. And the other thing is, I don't like gambling. You know, I, I, I oh, it brings jobs. Yeah, it brings jobs that, you know, I, I don't know. I It also ruins lives. Gambling ruins lives. And I don't want to see any more of it. I certainly don't want to see it in Times Square. Uh, I'll keep an eye on that, Joseph. Thank you very much. With the time remaining, we'll go to uh, uh, Barbara in Huntington and and then you, George. What's up? Hi, Greg. I'm so glad you took my call. I'm sitting here. I'm taking a lunch break with two other directors of the Religious Freedom Group that I volunteer with. And we've agreed on several things in listening to the last hour of your program. We've agreed, number one, that you should run for mayor. Also, we agree that the media that you are part of, the new just media, we call it, is what we need, not the old media. We have to ignore the media, the old media, and we have to support the new media. And then the other thing I wanted to say to you, um, you are at obviously looking over my shoulder at my notes because you said a few minutes ago, is it possible that we will prevail? And I had just written down Samuel Adams' quote that says, it doesn't take a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men. And that's what you're doing. You're lighting those brush fires of freedom. Uh, I like it not as much as the other quotes because you had that quote. I mean, it still says we don't need a – we don't need a majority. We just need a minority who are lighting these brush fires, which I kind of like. But don't we ultimately need the majority to win these things? Yes, but our colonists, only 30 percent of the colonists supported the break from Great Britain. And only 30 percent of those actually fought. That's and interesting. They led the fight. Others joined in or at least stayed out of their way. And that's what's happening with media like you. You are lighting brush fires of freedom. You're opening people's minds to realize what the facts are. The Ashley Babbitt. I love it, Barbara. I will continue. Thank you for the vote of confidence to be continued, everybody, to the rest of the callers. Thank you. Try again tomorrow. I'll see you tonight at 10 on Newsmax. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.